0: You Can Do That with Lisa and Lee, the show where we find the most interesting people we know and ask them, you can do that? I'm your co-host, Lee. And I'm your other co-host, Lisa. This week, we're talking to Scarlett Sims about trivia, community theater, and being on Jeopardy. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you, what have you been up to this week?
1: Well, I have been worn out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I guess we're recording this a little ahead of time, but I got back last week. I went to a conference in Louisville, Kentucky, which I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would. And I met a lot of cool people and learned a lot of things I didn't know things about. And it was fun. But also, you know, I do teach. So I was away from class for four days. I had to do a lot oh. of online lectures and stuff like that to make up for that. And then in the middle of my trip, my hard drive on my computer died. So I was oh, no. like limping along with like a iPad, trying to like get my way through the week, and um, I still don't have my regular laptop back. Um, oh no! Yeah, it's it's a bit of an ADHD nightmare because you know I'm <sighs> my my productivity as a adult professor is. Really, just a very narrow, like thin string of software that keeps me functioning. So
0: yeah, oh, it's been tiring. (laughs) My brain was just thinking about if I lost my computer and all the ramifications of that Mm -hmm. in my life. Just,
1: I mean, luckily having a bit of
0: a heart attack. Luckily,
1: I became like a poster child for cloud storage a few years ago. Yeah. So I haven't lost like any of my class stuff. I haven't lost like that kind of stuff at all. But just getting everything logged
0: in is enough on its own. Like, yes. All my stuff's in the cloud, but my computer's just set up so (laughs) specifically. Yeah.
1: And like, I don't, I'm using like a loaner lab computer for like our physics Mm -hmm. labs. And so. I don't want to like download and put everything on there. I can't even like log into my OneDrive like normal uh, in there because it's not my Windows license, you know. And So right. I'm having to use every do everything through like the web app interface, and oh. it's just like the That's worst. Weird. Yeah, but Fun. Yeah, the conference is cool, so you know, yeah, it's still a net win, I think. But what kind of conference was it? It was the um, Society for Environmental Toxicology and Chemistry. Okay. <laughs> Which means everything, right? That's a. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's mostly kind of like interdisciplinary science, people who study anybody who's looking at like environmental exposures of any kind of toxic materials and what sort of, you know, there's, it's a very broad area where it's like, how do those things move through the environment? That's a really important part, but also what happens when they're exposed to people or animals or plants. That's an area of interest of mine, but. It was, a, like, the first day I felt like maybe I shouldn't have come. I'm an outsider here, you know, <laughs> like, because yeah. I study all radiological stuff. And this is not a radiological group, you know. Right. But the stuff is very tied closely. Um. Yeah. But by the end, I felt really, like, I had a lot of really good ideas. I met somebody in New Mexico who does research specifically with uranium. And she really doesn't have somebody who does radiological toxicity. So maybe that could go somewhere. That was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, It gave me a lot of ideas about how I could maybe get more involved by collaborating with people who know a lot about chemical toxicity and bringing my knowledge to them instead of trying to do it all myself, you know? Yeah. Because I have a, I you have a know. niche expertise that people would be interested in. And I, sometimes I forget that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, a good person to interview for our podcast would be you. <laughs> I'm going to have Maybe to interview you for it one day. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you about gas stations and uh, cake, <laughs> the cake industry. Like, I think um, you have interesting
1: things to say too, for sure. Yeah, you can tell yeah. me about being on an actual play podcast. You can talk about a lot of things. Yes, yeah, podcast. Maybe we yeah, can get uh, maybe we can get Logan to come back and help with the interviewing of each of, of each of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Let's see. This week, I have been. I mean, honestly, uh, the same. I the same. Like, we've recorded these intros weeks apart. And yet, I'm still playing Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> in Act One. <laughs> oh, me too. Um, yeah, not because I'm not putting the time in. I just, uh, just it's a lo- it's a lot, and I don't have a ton of time. So you know. Yeah. And I did finally finish those postcards I've been talking about for also weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: <laughs> yeah, they turned out great. I'll show you pictures later. <laughs> This is the most boring thing uh, that I can think of, but whatever. I got. I've never done advent calendars. Like it's not a thing that, mm-hmm. like, speaks to me even as a kid. Mm-hmm. But they make puzzle advent calendars. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I bought two, so we started one <laughs> now, and we're putting it together. It's like a cat puzzle, and eat it's got like you know twenty four pictures of cats in boxes, and so each puzzle is like a piece of. It's like one little box, but they all connect together into one big puzzle. I
1: like that it's and... about cats, because ironically, mm-hmm. the thing that's the most likely to destroy your puzzle before the end <laughs> of the month is I know. your cat.
0: <laughs> he does try his best. Yeah. And then we have one for actual December that's, um, it's real like uh, vintage Christmas card looking kind of thing. Oh. Um, and it's. I think a lot of them are the that box style, but then some of them are just like fully a traditional picture puzzle that you're just putting together, you know, one little piece at a time. But it's been really fun. I've I've enjoyed it.
1: I did buy my cheese advent calendar from Aldi. So nice. <laughs> Get a little piece of cheese every day. Just have a little, uh, geez, a, little a little square of night cheese. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, so I. I don't even know what got me in the mood to do it. I like, cause it's not like I didn't have enough going on my first year when my, the first year I lived with my stepkids, but cause it was like 2020 and I was starting a new job, but I just got it in my head that year that I was going to make them like advent calendars. And I don't, so I go and get them bunches of little things. And Mm -hmm. um, actually that's on my list of things to assemble this weekend is get their calendars, get them together. I don't really do it in like a... I didn't buy one of those things with, like, the little drawers because, honestly, those drawers are really small. And, like, are, yeah. I realized it was already hard enough to think of, like, enough little things that weren't, mm-hmm. like, like I can't spend, like, $5 a day, you know, because then I put, like, $300 yeah. into an account. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it has to be, like, little things. And those drawers are small and that made it even too limiting to me like yeah now it's even now i now i not only have to find enough things but i have to find things that fit in this so i just wrap mm-hmm. them all up like little presents and i get them like yeah. a big kind of gift box and put it in there my
0: but, sister solved that by well first of all she only did the like custom one for a few years before the kids were like we we actually just want like lego ones and chocolate ones <laughs> so <laughs> we love you mom but please stop uh, but she did uh she Like if it was small enough to fit in the drawer, she did. But if it wasn't, she just put a little note of Mm. like, "Go look in the whatever thing." And then like, that's a a good idea. I like that. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, but she said it was a lot of work too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it is. I mean, I don't mind doing it though. I think it's it's a nice Mm -hmm. thing I get to do, and I'm glad they enjoy it, and I'm glad they appreciate it. Um, Yeah, and it's just now it's just like a thing, and I just. They, they don't, you know, I, as a step-parent, like, you know, I came into their life when they were already, like, in elementary and middle school. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I think it's very, like, this is, I don't get a lot of time, you know, so. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, traditions are, like, I find traditions to be very meaningful and, like, yeah. they're one of the main ways that I interact with the people that I love. Yeah. Uh, especially one, like, my family that I don't see that often, like, my uncles or, you know, those kind of people. And so keeping those same traditions always feels like you know a form of loving them i guess (laughs) yeah
1: i that's i mean that's you know that's i think for me it's definitely a a chance to kind of put some effort into something for them Mm -hmm. last year i actually started making a like a 10 day one for my niece as well because i usually see her at thanksgiving and so i'm probably gonna do that again this year um, because I was putting everything together at the same time. And I had, I had last year the, what I, I did a lot of like, um, fidgets and like glow in the dark things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, those kind of came in bulk. So I had extras. So I was like, well, I'll just make another one, another little 10 day one up for, for Nora. Uh, but I think this year I thought about it. So I think I have enough stuff to make a, sh- a smaller one for her, but yeah. Cool. So cool. But of course I didn't, all my stuff was supposed to come yesterday and I didn't realize I had used the wrong credit card until yesterday Uh, when I logged in to see where's my box. And it was like, you have to change your payment. So it's not going to come till Friday. So I'm going to be in a little bit of a rush getting everything together. But yeah,
0: bummer. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, that's really cute. I, I like all those traditions. Yeah. Also, some people have a tradition of watching Jeopardy!
1: Oh, that was a very smooth transition, Lee. I like that. There you go. You did it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Enjoy our interview with Scarlet Sims.
1: Today, we have Scarlett Sims, who's a children's library assistant who works on a bookmobile. She's active in community theater and has appeared on game shows like Jeopardy and Masterminds. And I wanted to point out that she also won when she was on Jeopardy. Um, She didn't say that, but I think that that's uh, interesting trivia as well here. So welcome to the show, Scarlett. We're so excited to have you.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah, welcome.
1: So we invited Scarlett because she talked to me about this kind of whole side culture she's in of people who are really into trivia. And when she started telling me about it, I was just fascinated because this is like a whole culture I didn't even know anything about. And it sounded so cool. So would you be willing to start off by just giving us a little bit of a, you know, your sort of like high level view of what you would call like the trivia community and, and what kind of things you do and, and what that looks like?
2: Sure. So a lot of people in the trivia community have been on game shows like Jeopardy or other game shows, but there are actually a lot of people in there who haven't done game shows who do online trivia in various forms. So there's asynchronous online trivia where you log into a website, answer questions for the day, and then the next day you'll get the results. And there's also synchronous trivia where you're all logged into a Zoom and somebody is reading questions, and, you know, the players answer questions. So those are kind of, like, the main ways that trivia happens. And then, of course, people go to bar trivia in person. My experience, a lot of my experience is, like, in the post-COVID world, there's a lot of online trivia to be done, when because people couldn't go out to bar trivia in person. But those are kind of the main ways that I engage with trivia. Okay, that's
1: cool. That's neat, yeah. Um, I didn't think about that, that, like, you probably have more online stuff after COVID. That makes perfect sense to me. But as a teacher, I my immediate thing is like, do they do anything to manage cheating? Is it all
2: just sort of an <laughs> honor
0: system? That was like... my first thought too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so the asynchronous online trivia, you know, it's through a website, they say that there are things that they do about cheating that they're not going to tell us what they are because you could bypass them. Um, And then also, if somebody is found out to be cheating, they're just banned. So if they do somehow have, like, concrete proof that someone was cheating, they just won't be allowed to play that trivia anymore. Um, And I just don't get... There's no monetary reward for this. It's all just for fun. So I personally don't understand why you would cheat in the first place. Yeah. Um, For the Zoom trivia, the rule is that both hands have to be on screen at all times. So I'm sure that there is a way you could use, like, Alexa or something like that to cheat. But basically, I mean, you can't be Googling. You can't have your phone out while you're playing.
0: That makes sense. Mm -hmm.
2: It would have to be, like, really involved.
1: You'd probably have to have a second person involved, I would think. Yeah. And what's the
0: point, right? And yeah, and then at that point, yeah, why are you doing it?
1: (laughs) I've never really understood that. But I'm not somebody who understands cheating very well anyway, you know? Like, I just, like, Yeah.
0: Oh, I would be so high anxiety. I could, not handle it.
1: <laughs> what are some things you really enjoy about this community of people? And like, how maybe how do you like interface with other members of the community? Is it all just getting on these things, or do you have like social media or Discord servers or something that you all chat on in between?
2: Um, yeah, so there are Facebook groups. There's Facebook groups for former Jeopardy contestants and then there's like spinoff groups like there's a cooking group for Jeopardy contestants there's job search groups for Jeopardy contestants and things like that so online quiz league is the like online synchronous trivia that I do and there's groups for that as well there's also I kind of forgot to mention this before but there's also trivia a bunch of trivia podcasts and so there's Facebook groups for like fans of different podcasts as well and so I've formed a lot of great relationships through that and just discussing in Facebook groups. There's a parenting group. So like I recently asked a question about like a parenting issue that I was having and you can get d- different you know, viewpoints from people all across the country who at least have some level of intellect because they did well on a game show. That's fair um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and kind of
1: like-minded yeah, right. I had no idea there was so much, like, camaraderie among former Jeopardy! contestants.
2: And I mean, there's always, like, with any community, you're always going to have people who are maybe, like, a little bit less... There's people with all different viewpoints, let me just put it that way. There's mm-hmm. some people who I disagree with on things, and I've, you know, my relationships with those people are less close, I guess. But I have managed to find some really good friends in this community. I could see that.
0: Yeah.
1: I sort of just wonder, too, if maybe there's... Yeah, this is just my speculation, but maybe there's a little bit of like, higher level of like, neurodivergency in a trivia community that might sometimes cause some communication issues. I wouldn't be surprised by that.
2: (laughs) That wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, a lot of the friends that a lot of my closer friends are neurodivergent. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever like studied exactly like the rates, you know, Mm -hmm. but it would not surprise me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's not a judgment. We're all, we're all NeuroSpicy here.
1: So like, no
0: judgments. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like watching other trivia TV shows than Jeopardy? Like, I, I don't know a lot of them. I know there's the Chase that sort of comes on sometimes. There's one in the UK that I really like that's called Only Connect, but it's hard to get.
2: I do like Only Connect and we actually do have an online version of that. Oh, cool as well that we play sometimes so i kind of had become less active on that team just because i was busy with like doing a play and everything but there is an online version of only connect that we play so i do watch that on occasion um i don't have a reliable way to watch jeopardy right now so i'll if i know someone who's going to be competing on it i'll try to find it on youtube and i've watched the chase a couple times because i've known people who were going on there at this point usually I'll watch a show if I know the person who's going to be on it, but it's not like I don't sit down every night and watch Jeopardy. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Only Connect is the only one that I watch regularly. I The other ones I find a little hard to, well, like you said, I don't have a a reliable way to watch Jeopardy. And then The Chase isn't on that often, but it's also a little annoying. It explains itself too much, (laughs) but that's just me.
1: I have a I have a question that maybe there's not a good answer to, but I'm curious. Did the trivia community have a capital F feelings when they were replacing the Jeopardy host about who they wanted? And was that like a was that a thing?
2: Um yeah, people definitely had their preferred candidates and people who they thought did better than others. I know a lot of people feel like LeVar Burton wasn't really given a fair shake because he only had one week and some of the hosts had two weeks and I know people didn't, really didn't like when they announced that, uh, what's his name, Michael Richards, I think, was going to be the host. Like, there was a lot of backlash to that, and he ended up not being the host. But yeah, people definitely had their preferred candidates. Did you have strong feelings? Or are you comfortable sharing them? <laughs> I actually thought, for, for, I didn't watch every single host. I thought a lot of people did a good job. I thought Aaron Rodgers did a good job. I know he was, like, really into it. I heard that he prepared a lot for it. I think Ken and Mayim are doing fine. My comp- The complaint that I've heard about Mayim is that like she giggles too much and I feel like that's just a very like sexist comment to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But from what I've seen of Ken and Mayim, I think they're both doing fine.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like I've ever heard people complain about men laughing too much, so... Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa might know this, but I don't. Have you done a lot of Of the more like bar trivia kind of stuff?
2: I used to do bar trivia a lot before COVID. I would go every week, both here. And then when I lived in Tennessee, I did a bunch of bar trivia there too, like whenever I could. The problem, there's a couple problems. I feel like just in Florence doesn't have a wide variety of bar trivia. It was kind of hard to find one that I really liked. Geeks Who Drink was a company um, that I really liked their format and they don't do trivia in uh, Florence. I miss Geeks Who Drink. We had them in Denver and that's who we always used to go to.
1: We liked it because it was like a really reliable standard, you know, and in a big city like Denver, there was pretty much every night of the week, starting at every hour from five to nine, there was a Geeks Who Drink somewhere. So like we could find a place at a time that worked with our friend group and go. And when I went pretty regularly, that's who we did because it was just, it was just nice that we could kind of rely on it, knowing that there was a certain standard to the questions, you know?
2: Yeah, so I really liked them. And then also, it, I guess I should have said this at the beginning, is that I do sometimes host bar trivia here. There's a bar that has a couple people like rotate through being the host, and we all write our own questions. And so that way I can, at least when I'm hosting, I know the questions are questions I would want to answer. Um, okay. But I've also had to put that on hold because of doing theater stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question, because I was not aware that there were companies that did, like, I, I don't know anything about any of this, really. I've never even done bar trivia. So I guess there's, like, companies, does that mean that they have set questions and people can use those, or or is it so- like people work for the company?
2: From what I've heard from, I have a friend who works for, I think Challenge Entertainment is the name of the company that she works for, and so they'll, I guess, give the hosts the questions on the night that they're going to host, and then the hosts go out to the bars and run the trivia. So I think you have to have, like, your own laptop and things like that. I don't know if it's an employee or like an independent contractor situation. Sure, like yeah. I don't know exactly how that part works, but they'll write the the company writes the questions, and then the hosts will take those questions. So they'll have these are the questions for Thursday night, or these are the questions for Friday night, or whatever. And you'll go out and take the questions to the bar and host. I'm pretty sure that's how it works, but I haven't hosted for a company, so I might be wrong on that.
1: Yeah, I had the impression in Denver that the like the exchange like the the bars were sort of paying for the rights to the geeks who drink questions and then the hosts would get the questions and bring them but that that might differ depending on your city and how like mm-hmm. how popular it is right like i think there it was more that they would hire a host to come in and do and do the trivia night and the bar would kind of be managing getting you know paying geeks who drink for their questions
0: okay that's interesting
1: but that but say that's something that could probably differ a lot depending on how big it is in the city that you're at
0: yeah there are so many things out there that I I don't know about. <laughs> so
1: many jobs. I know they had, like,
0: a... So um, many things you can do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Geeks Who Drink had, like, a trivia bowl once a year. Like, that was, like, people would come from all over the country. Have you ever gone to, like, a trivia con or anything like that?
2: Um. Yes, I did go to the Geeks Who Drink Geek Bowl twice in a row. I went in Las Vegas and in Chicago. And I have my team of people that I played with. And then there's another one called SporkleCon that just started their first year was in 2022. And I went that was in Washington, D.C. I didn't get to go this past year because of being in a play. Um, But next year it's going to be in Detroit. And I'm hoping to go then. And it's just a really fun way. You get to see people in person who you've only really interacted with online mostly. And then my team is all women. And that's pretty rare in the trivia community to have an all female team. And so we have like our group chat that we plan out. Like we'll have coordinating outfits and things oh my like God, that. That's so cute. That's so cute. I love it.
1: <laughs> that's cool. What's like, what kind of things do you do at like a convention like that? Is it like a lot of, are there like panels about stuff or is it more like meet up and play games and like? just sp- fill the in-between with social time.
2: So SporkleCon had a lot of events because there was like the, mi- there's the main event, which is called Battle of the Brains. And that's like your six, per or yeah, your six person team competes against a whole bunch of other six person teams. But there's a bunch of other events. There were events where you would um, like go up to a laptop and like take a timed quiz. And then like the person, you know, they'd later announce the results, uh, the winner of that. There'd be bar style trivia where, you know, it'd be like a host asking questions. There were, I know the year I went, I think some panels like I know they have like Jeopardy auditions there, I think, for people who haven't been on Jeopardy. I think there was a book signing from uh, Claire McNear who wrote a book about Jeopardy. And then there's also just, like, hangouts. Um, So Learned League is the asynchronous online trivia that I do, and there was, like, a meetup for people who play that. There was, like, a meetup for people who listen to a certain trivia podcast. So there's just a bunch of, like, informal meetups as well as the official events. That sounds
1: really fun. As somebody who used to go to a lot of, I mean, it sounds fun to me. It probably sounds like, like, hell on earth to leave because she's more (laughs) of an inside-her-house cat. But um, I think that sounds fun. I used to go to a lot of, like, you know, pop culture conventions back in the day. And it was just, it was more about going to, like, I I think I kept going to them because it was more about the fun I would have with the people I was hanging out with there than the, what the convention had to offer a lot of times. (laughs) though, it's also fun to get to go do events that, that are things you care about, so.
0: Well, I think trivia is fascinating, but I'm not good at it. I'm not good at remembering like random facts and I'm not good at, if you ask me a question, I cannot give you a quick answer. I, That like hit a buzzer and answer the question thing is never, I need more processing time than that. <laughs> but I'm fascinated by it and I like watching other people do it. I think it's really a, you know, I like to learn things. I just forget them easily.
1: I know we had like kind of a, when we were doing really well at Geeks Who Drink, we had, they they limit you to six people, and we found that just for starters, the closer you were to hitting your six people, the better you did, just because the chance that somebody knew, right, was like, <laughs> was better. And we also found that we had, well, we were doing really well. We had a pretty wide age range. I want to say we were ranging somewhere between 15 and 20 years across the ages of our team. And that helped us a lot because there would be things that, you know that were more relevant to like one of the older people or one of the younger people and things that were outside of our own kind of knowledge especially the pop culture stuff
2: and yeah that's what the nice thing about geeks who drink and other companies is that they have a broader range of topics like if it's just one person writing it it's gonna mainly be things that they're interested in so you might get a lot of like family guy and football questions if like the person's really into that so companies have a little more they have more writers on staff so you get more viewpoints do you have like a thing that you you
1: particularly know a lot about like on our team we have people who were like oh yeah she's you know like Laura's always really good at the music rounds and Lisa's terrible at the sports rounds and you know that kind of thing is there something that you're like really good
2: and or really terrible at so I'm terrible at sports and current events those (laughs) are my two like worst topics My best topics are like food and drink related questions I get right a lot. And I also, I really like like art and literature. I'm very interested in those things. So I'd say I'd be more likely to get those kind of questions right.
0: It's such a interesting, I don't know. I don't know if it's a talent, if if that's the right word, but it definitely is something that I look at other people being able to do. And I just, I don't, I don't get, I can't do it. What's it like to be on Jeopardy?
2: So one interesting thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is the amount of time it takes to film an episode of Jeopardy is almost exactly the amount of time you see on your TV. Unless there's like a challenge to a question or something like that, there's not a lot of editing that is going to happen. So it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to film the episode. And then during the commercial breaks, they'll come over and like put powder on your face or give you water or whatever. It's... Scary, but, like, for me, once I was in the zone, I was just, like, buzzing in, answering questions, like, it went by in a flash. The thing, another thing that I guess a lot of people don't know is they film five episodes in a day. And so, like, when you win an episode, whoever wins, they turn around, go change, and then, like, have to come back out and do it again. And that's the really difficult thing and why I really respect people who can win more than one game because... It's very overwhelming for everyone to be like, oh, you won, blah, blah, blah. Okay, go change. Now come do it again. Yeah. That sounds exhausting.
0: Yeah. If you win all five, like, gosh, you'd be so overloaded by the end, it feels like.
1: So is there like an advantage to winning then like at the end of the day because you'll get to sleep before you have to come back and do it again, you think?
2: I think that would definitely be an advantage. And then if you win, so they tape on, I want to say Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so if you win the last game on the Wednesday, they will pay for you to, like, go home and fly back the next week. Otherwise, you're responsible for your own airfare and hotel,
0: Oh. which is another thing a
2: lot of people don't know. Hmm. I'm sure this is something that someone could Google, but I'd love to hear your version
1: of it. Like, how do you actually get on Jeopardy? Like, what's the what's the process like?
2: Now, okay, when I got on, there was an online test that would be given like a couple times a year, I think, or maybe once a year. I don't remember exactly, but it was an online test. You go on. There's 50 questions, I think. And, you know, you have 10, I think, 10 seconds to answer each one. And now I think there's the anytime test. So now I don't think you have to wait for them to be giving the test. I think you can just do it anytime. And then what I've heard is that people who get around 45 out of those 50 questions right have a chance to get called for an in-person interview. So my in-person interview was in Nashville because that was the closest city to where I lived at the time. And you go into like a hotel conference room kind of thing They have you do a pencil and paper 50 question test, I guess, just to kind of like prove you weren't cheating at the online. You don't, you wouldn't really have a whole lot of time to be cheating anyway for the online, but just to prove that you can do it in like a controlled environment. And then they do a mock game where you come up and you have a buzzer and they'll ask you questions about yourself. And the in-person interview, they're really looking for people who would be good on TV, essentially. I mean, people who could do well at the game, but also who are... You know, have a good personality because it is entertainment, and so they want people to tune in and be entertained. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact: people who know me now would never
1: guess it, but uh, I got to the personality phase of tryouts for <laughs> Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego when I was a kid, and I was too quiet and shy, and I didn't oh, get to go wow. on the TV. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I did get to run around the map, though, so that's cool. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. They mostly pulled all the kids. They filmed in New York at the time, so they pretty much pulled all the kids from schools in, like, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey.
0: Oh, wow. That's neat.
1: They came into our school to give tests, and then based on the tests, they'd pull kids for interviews and stuff. So, Lee, do you have any other questions about trivia stuff?
0: I don't think so.
1: I think the only one I have is, like, if somebody's listening to this and is like, this is so cool, I kind of wish I did this, like, how would you recommend they start? Like, what's... How do you get involved if you, like, or somebody who just really wants to do this? Particularly maybe somebody who doesn't, who wants, like, doesn't have a team already?
2: Okay, so there's a couple things you could do. One I would suggest is looking up online quiz league. There's a UK version and a USA version, and there's um, a website and Facebook groups that you can join, and in the Facebook group, if you're looking for, you can like tell them that you don't have a team and they'll like put you on a team with other people so that's the Uh. zoom based trivia that I do and you can also I think they have um YouTube videos of what the match looks like of like a sample match so you can see what that looks like and that's really fun they also have a version called pop solos which is it's not team based it's you're competing against three other people and it's all pop culture and that's one of my favorite ones just because I'm much better at pop culture trivia than like you know, history, and geography, and (laughs) things like that, and so yeah, that one you can sign up for, and you don't need to have a team, and I believe there are also YouTube videos of what the matches for that look like. Another thing you could do is if you're listening, look up some of the podcasts, there's Trivial Warfare is one um, that I know is really popular, Triviality, and there's Facebook groups for these podcasts, And you can, you know, Patreon supporters can go on the shows and you know compete, or just listening to the listening to the episodes, you'll you'll get better at trivia because you'll learn a bunch of stuff from it. But joining the Facebook groups, they have really great communities, and you can get to know people that way. That's super
1: cool. I like that they'll pair you up. That's really nice because that's something that I think will be overwhelming for a lot of people. Like, well, I don't know anybody to do this with. You know, like I think that's nice that they'll set you into a team. Yeah. Well. I think something cool about you is that you have such like an interesting, you do so many interesting things. Like your your life is sort of, you've got all these, you kind of dabble in a lot of interesting things. You've brought up doing plays and you've been involved in our community theater productions in Florence through the Florence Little Theater lately. I'm sure you've done theater well before that. You want to talk a little bit about your history as theater and kind of how you got involved with the Florence Little Theater and that sort of
2: thing? Sure. So I did theater in high school. That was like my main... Extracurricular that I did. And then I kind of got out of it in college. Like, as a freshman, I auditioned for a few things, like, didn't get them, and then it just kind of went by the wayside. Like, I got into trivia in college, and that kind of took over. And then when I moved to Tennessee, they had a theater there that was like five minutes from my house. And so I was like, I'll start auditioning for things here. Like, I think I'd like to get back into this. And so I auditioned for a couple things. I eventually got a role, and I just loved it. Um, so I did two plays with the theater in Oak Ridge, and then we moved to Florence. And I hadn't, I was kind of like wondering how to get involved, and I saw a Facebook ad for uh, auditions in Lake City, which is like 30 minutes away from Florence. And I was like, okay, I'll go audition for that one, and I got a role in that one. And so then after that, I started auditioning with the Florence Little Theater, and and I actually, for the first play that I did with them, I won their award, their like best performance award. But sadly, the ceremony was during COVID. So it was just a Aww. virtual ceremony. What um, play with that? That was for Blythe Spirit. Okay. And then, yeah, so I've just been doing plays with them ever since. I just, Sound of Music was my fourth play with them. And then I'm now, we've started rehearsals for Rumors by Neil Simon, which that's, that'll be my fifth one with them.
1: Well, you're in rumors. That's exciting. I'm excited about that one. It's really <laughs> funny. It's we're, we're I love that show. Having such a good time at rehearsals. Scarlett was in Clue, which was so fun.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed. That. that was one of my. I, I'm always. I'm pretty consistently impressed with the quality of the shows. Like I think sometimes community theater can have a like a little bit of a distaste in people's mouths when they say it. But the first time I went to a show. I kind of went just because someone, in, you know, Brittany, and I guess you, I think you were in something rotten too, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I just kind of was like trying to be supportive, you know, and like a nice friend. And I was like, wow, this is actually like a really good production. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, how do you, how does the uh, smaller community like Florence, do you think, maintain kind of a pretty, a pretty decent standard
2: of production level? There's a lot of talent in Florence. Which I found, like, auditions for Sound of Music, there were so many talented people that showed up, like, musically talented, and then just with the backstage people, there's so many people who are willing to, like, help with props, help with, you know, being crew, there's lots of talented musicians to do the orchestra parts, like... And we actually found out that Columbia was doing Sound of Music the same weekend, and they have a smaller theater than ours. Columbia has a smaller physical theater and a much bigger population to draw from, and they were not selling out their shows. So um, I think Florence just, uh, people are really willing to come out and support their local stuff, like we saw with Sound of Music, it's selling out every single night. That's awesome.
1: I've liked it as somebody who lives here. It's been fun to... <laughs> I I upped it this year and did... I didn't do like a season pass, but I did that. Um, There was like a package where it was, I don't know, so many tickets for $100 or something like that and did that to make sure I go more. Is there anything you want to talk about, about community theater?
2: I just think it's such a great... Like my, my daughter is getting involved in the... They have children's theater as well. The Florence Little Theater does. And my daughter's getting involved in that. And I think it's just really... I've heard from a lot of other parents as well that it really helps build confidence. Like, the first time she did her audition, she froze and didn't do anything. And then the second time, she was actually able to sing. She was able to sing quietly, but she still, like, did it. And so I'm hoping that, like, next time, she'll just be able to keep building on that and how much fun she has when she's on the stage to, like, you know, help overcome the audition jitters. But what they do for kids is really great, too, because they have the children's workshop and then the teen Uh, They call it Rising Stars, but they have like a teen play that they do every uh, semester, I guess.
1: Oh, that's really fun. I know they like Charlotte, my stepdaughter, loved their theater camp they did this summer. And that was just kind of like a small thing. They don't even really put on a show or anything, but she had so much fun.
2: Yeah, and the staff that they have is all super nice. Like, the people who work with the kids are all really nice. They have a couple, like, younger volunteers, and then the woman who's in charge of it, Lisa, she does such a great job with putting on the shows for the kids.
1: This might be, like, more than your level of interest about the theater and stuff, but do you know, like, how do they... I'm kind of curious, just like, are they actually like self-funded by ticket sales and stuff like that? Or do they have grants that help keep that theater open? Because it's a pretty nice theater and they put on some pretty high quality productions. And it just, they have, it seems like they have some full-time staff even, right? Or at least part-time staff.
2: They do have full-time staff. They have um, four, I want to say, it might be four full-time and two part-time or three full-time and two part-time. I don't know exactly how the funding works. I know it was because it was in the playbill that um, the budget for Sound of Music was $35,000. Wow. Which seems like a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know entirely, like, I don't know exactly how the funding
0: for it works. Hmm. That's interesting. It seems like if you're, if you like your local theater and you like going, what you should like, maybe that's something that people could do, is look into how to support their theaters, other than just, you know, go buying tickets. Because there has to be some kind of way.
2: Yeah, I'm sure they must. Yeah, there, I know there are, like, sponsorships. Like, in the Playbill, it talks about, like, okay, these people donated $1,000, these people donated $500. So there are, like, levels of sponsorship that you can do, or that even, like, companies can do. So I guess that it might be part of the answer to the question. Maybe, mm. yeah. Well,
1: and I think also just, I mean, actually buying tickets and supporting probably is a really good thing. And yeah, <laughs> I would say, like, you know, if you haven't tried your local theater, maybe give it a shot. Because, like, going to, like, Broadway touring shows and stuff like that has gotten, to me, like, really expensive. And I understand it's an expensive thing. And people have to be paid. And I, and I get that. But, like, you know, I have kids. And, like, trying to go to a show and paying 70 a 80 $100 a ticket, you know, that's that adds up really fast when there's three or four of you trying to do it. So... You know, the, the cost is, is still a lot more reasonable, I think. And if you haven't tried it and something that's been out of your price range for a while, it might be worth trying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think also I would love to hear about your experience working with a children's library and running a bookmobile. That always sounds like a really fun job to me. And I've talked to you a little bit about it before. But tell me about your kind of history with working with a library and how you got there and how you what, what it's like to work on a bookmobile, you know?
2: Okay, well, so I have a master's degree in library science that I got in 2010 and I just had never really used it. I was pretty locked into what location I was in at the time because that's when Hunter, my husband, was getting his PhD and so I couldn't just like look for a job anywhere. And then we moved to Germany and so I wasn't working there and I just kind of got to the point where it had been so long since I got my degree and I didn't have any experience really aside from when I was a student working in a library that I was kind of like, well, I guess this just was a waste of time that didn't work out. But then, uh, one day a few years ago, I was just, I woke up at five in the morning and was like, I'm going to see if the library's hiring. And they were hiring in the children's department. And so I decided to apply for that job and I got it, obviously. Uh, and they decided what part of the interview was to do a story time, like, so you had to bring in a book and read it to the interview panel like you were doing a story time with kids, which is a little bit awkward because the book I chose had a lot of interactive elements, so I'd be like, okay, now it's time to stamp your feet or whatever, but it worked out because they decided they wanted me to do story times on the bookmobile.
1: Did they participate like kids, like, did they stamp their feet and stuff, or did they just look at you?
2: Um, they eventually participated a little bit. They started by just kind of looking <laughs> at me. Um, and then I was sort of encouraged them to like keep going. But so the bookmobile our bookmobile that we have is uh, solely part of the children's department. So there it has young adult books, chapter books, picture books, board books, but it doesn't have any like adult books like we only serve children with this bookmobile. And we go out to daycares, preschools, those kind of places. And then we also go to a couple of private schools that don't have their own libraries where the kids can come on and check out books. At the daycares that we go to, that's where I do a 30-minute story time. And then usually an adult from the daycare will come and check out, you know, a big stack of books to take in and return them the next time we come.
0: That's fun. I like reading books to kids. That was the best part. I used to teach uh, second grade, and that was the best part of teaching, was reading all the books.
1: (laughs) I think it's kind of – I think it's interesting to hear that, like, you kind of felt like you'd, like, missed your opportunity to use your degree, and then you just were like, what if I just tried, and then it actually worked out for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes I think we convince ourselves of that kind of thing sometimes, and – you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you tried. My
2: position is part-time, so I'm not being paid as a person with a degree, but that was, uh, that is a decision that I made. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, this, my husband has a job. I was doing this to get just kind of supplement, so I'm, at the moment at least, okay with not being paid as a person who has a degree.
1: Mm. So your position isn't like a, it doesn't necessarily require a library degree, is that kind of what you're? Yeah. Okay. Do you think that being there and doing this job could open that door at some point?
2: Um, yes, definitely. Well, so my... I don't know how like inside baseball this is. I mean, you can cut it later if you want to. Um, my <laughs> boss is going to retire in a few years, and so then her position will be open, and so then probably some position, other positions, you know, below her will be. Crickle down, sort of, yeah. Um, so, but right now, since I have a kid in school, like I'm okay with being part time, like coming home and then picking her up and having the afternoon to help with homework or whatever is fine with yeah. me for the time being.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, that
2: makes. Sense. Well, that's pretty cool.
1: Are there any bad things
2: about driving a bookmobile? So I don't drive it. So um, <laughs> Oh,
0: well, that's good.
2: <laughs> but it ha- we have had a few, like, one time it hit, um, like, a low-hanging, like, power line or cable wire. Like, it hit a wire that was low-hanging. And so that was, that put the bookmobile out of commission for a couple months because we had to, like, replace a couple things. So as far as driving, like, both the drivers... There's some really narrow roads in Florence, and there's some trees that don't get trimmed as often as they should, and I know that stresses the drivers out. But as far as being on the bookmobile, like, not being a driver, just being, like, part of the bookmobile experience, the only negative is that, you know, sometimes you go to places and the adults are just a little bit checked out. They don't really care about the books. They're, like, looking at their phones while I'm doing my story time, and that's disappointing but I'm there for the kids not the adults anyway Mm -hmm. so I mean I'm it is what it is yeah yeah
0: yeah. that's cool it sounds like you have a lot of um a lot of different things that you do
1: well I think it's kind of cool that you like are in a position where it seems like you've kind of like, like you're here, it's a pretty small town, right? Like, I mean, there's only so much opportunity for you in a place where like, you're kind of stuck and you can't necessarily go somewhere else. And I think it's kind of cool that you've cobbled together like a bunch of things that are part of your time into like, it seems like a pretty like rich and, you know, time it, it, like it seems like a lot, like you've got a lot going on in your life um, without depending on one single thing to be What you're doing. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say?
2: Yeah, and you're not the first person to say that to me, either.
1: (laughs) Like, I I don't know. I think I I I would say I admire that about you, and I think that that's very cool. Are there any... Is there anything you'd like to say about that and how you feel about that? Like, if somebody feels like they're in a similar situation somewhere, is there any advice you'd have, like...
2: Um, just... I've had to... Basically, since I got married, I've been in a situation like because my husband's a professor he has to go where the jobs are so I've always been sort of we we've known since we got married that would be our situation is that we would end up somewhere where there was a job and we wouldn't just get to pick where we lived and some places that we lived have been really cool like Germany and some places that we lived have just been you know smaller areas or places that didn't have as much to offer us but I found that Florence, while it is not where I would choose if I could choose anywhere, it does have a lot to offer me. And I've made some great friends here. And I think you can do that anywhere. I like that. I like that a lot.
1: Is there anywhere that you are comfortable being found on the internet if people wanted to like follow you or on social media or anything like that? Or no?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'll give my Instagram because that's, uh, i don't yeah. use twitter or x or whatever but um my instagram is seven deadly sims sims with one m <laughs> i
0: like that <laughs> yeah
2: i think I, I knew that but i still like it
1: <laughs> 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 thank you so much for coming on talking to us that was really yeah, well, interesting. thank you. i learned a lot of things that i didn't know
2: thanks for having me
1: listening to you can do that with lee and lisa we're just gonna keep interviewing people until we can get the person who smells things for nasa to come on our show join us next time for our season finale actually with lauren piner who's going to talk to us about owning a dog walking company and changing your goals if you like the show you can help us out by leaving a review on on any of your favorite podcasting platforms you can also find us on instagram at you can do that pod or on blue sky at ycdt pod or find a link to our webpage in the show notes. If you have any great ideas for a guest, send us an email at ycdtpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye!
0: So, listener, hard disagree. You have to leave a review on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Oh, sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, I think it's funny, but you do not have to say all. <laughs> I, but I liked adding that little thing. I just in. That didn't mean to. <laughs>